What is this foolishness? How many dreams can you shape in a minute, an hour? The kind of clean you like best. Lost three of my teeth, too. All right, so you lost. Next time you win. Steamy, hot, hearty, delicious, invigorating. Folks at home, folks at home, how you doing tonight? Welcome to Ike Live. Man, let me tell you, you are in for a treat tonight. We've got an amazing show, and we've got not one, but two super spectacular dudes sitting on the casting couch tonight. It's going to be a fabulous show. Thanks for watching. Uh... As usual, I will let you know that this show is presented by and brought to you by Mystery Tackle Box. Uh, thank you, Mystery Tackle Box, for supporting the show. They are the number one tackle subscription company in the entire universe. I don't know if you knew that, but they are. Uh, you can check them out on MysteryTackleBox.com. And later in the show, we're going to be doing a live unboxing we are the only live web show that does an unboxing on air, on film. Probably. Right here. Probably. Maybe. <laughs> uh, we're also brought to you by TNH Marine. And if you own a marine product, if you own a boat, I don't care if it's a two-foot kayak, um, a small John boat, a bass boat, or a biggie small shot, you gotta have TNH products. They're or, the best in the world. Or or TH products. TH products. Am I saying TNH again? <laughs> You're saying it All again. All right, whatever. It, they know what I'm talking about. Uh, also brought to you by Hobie Kayaks. Hobie Kayaks make the best kayaks in the world, and they own and have the patent on the pedal drive system. Hands-free fishing. Uh, nobody else does that. We're also brought to you by Tackle Warehouse. Man, if you're gonna order something, you need it quick. Check out Tackle Warehouse. And finally, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Flambo, big sponsor of the show. Thank you, Flambo. And finally, Liquid Mayhem, uh, the best scent in the world. Um, man, they've got all these different flavors. Brian DeCarpenter loves it. He puts it on everything. And Pete uses uh, uses it to lubricate his knot. Only occasionally. Occasionally. Um, <laughs> before we start the show, let's start it as we usually do. A huge thank you. To our military, active, and veterans, men and women, thank you guys for what you do. It's a crazy world. Uh, special shout out to the uh, to the policemen, the firemen, the EMT, and uh, going to introduce you to Pete real quick, my co-host show. Pete Glusick, how you doing tonight? Hey man, it's good to be here. You you gave me a little note before the show that you wanted to say something in regards to the the EMT or the police or the firemen. What do you got for us? Today? Some some really big happened um, over the weekend. We on uh, Saturday. Uh, night yesterday, we celebrated my dad's 78th birthday. Wow! Yeah. Happy birthday, pops! <laughs> it was 
Happy birthday, Pops. It was it was pretty awesome. Uh, for those of you who watch the show, you know, you know what happened in Fourth of July in uh, last year. Dad suffered a heart attack, and um, he's still with us. We didn't think he'd make it past his 77th birthday. Here it is, his 78th birthday. And I want to give a big shout out to the Mount Laurel Emergency Medical Team. Yeah. Who without them, Dad wouldn't be here. And uh, I, I I texted it over to Brian. Hopefully we'll have it on sometime during the show. The website that um, it's a GoFund uh, address, and I'd I'd like to put it out there for anybody that would like to contribute because what they're doing in Mount Laurel, and I'm 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 helping them in every every way that I can. Um, is they're training people in CPR, and that's what yeah. I want everybody listening to this show. Take five minutes. You know, take two hours. Go learn CPR. You could save your life of somebody that you love or anybody in the world. So learn CPR. We're doing it in Mount Laurel. Uh, they've already trained 100 people last month wow. in CPR, and it's an initiative moving forward. They're they're hoping to train, you know, many times more than that uh, moving forward. And I want to help them out. And so join me in contributing to that GoFund address, and, and we'll get it up there for people to see. Wow. Pete, that's that's I, awesome. I may or may not get that text message tonight. <laughs> We're down here in the bunker, and sometimes don't go through. Do you want to just uh, do? You, do you have it handy? I, I, I have it handy, but it's kind. Of, it's we're going to have to get it up on the site because we'll it's just it's, we'll, it's complicated. We'll try to figure that out. It's a complicated link. I, I, we'll, if, if for some reason we don't get it to you tonight, we'll have it up on the next show. Cool, cool. It sounds good. Fair enough. It's a great thing. And uh, let me go ahead. And I know everybody's on the edge of their chair, wanting to know who the guys are tonight here in studio. And uh, let me get right to him. And joining us tonight on the casting couch in studio, all the way from Virginia, somewhere in Virginia, a very own Jacob Prosnick tonight. <laughs> Jake, up, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. We're getting right here on the heels of the classic. We were just talking out there. Dude, this is like nuts time for us. This is like we've got, what, a day to pack. Yeah, and I, I don't think I've uh, I think I put line on about four or five rods, and I have nothing in my truck at the moment. So. Yeah, we were out there looking, <laughs> and, and you opened up the back of your pickup, and there's zero in that Toyota. God. Yeah, but it's, by tomorrow evening, about six o'clock, she'll be loaded down. She'll be packed up. Well, it's it's going to be a good show. Thank you for coming. We're going to have a good time Thank tonight. You and uh, sitting next to Jacob, you know this guy. You know him from Bass. Good long time friend. Yeah, long time friend of the show. Long time friend from a lot of things. Uh, our very own. Ricky Bobby in the house. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. How are you doing tonight? It's awesome, man. Good yeah, to I, see you. I think Pete and I have been friends for 30 years, maybe. Yeah, maybe that you long. And I've been 20 or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all coming together for it us. It may right? have been longer with Pete because yeah. he was at the original Woodstock concert. That's right. That's, right. that's where we met. So that's it could have been met. a long time before that. I'm not sure. Uh, also, let me finish the introduction of the room. In the booth tonight, and you know this is a very, very important part of the show because the shit's got to work. And uh, pushing the buttons for us tonight, the man that makes it all happen, our very own Brian DeCarpenter. Brian, how you doing tonight? What's up, man? Good to see you. Doing all right? I'm doing great. Gotcha. See the red shirt? Looks good. I like it. Under Armour swag tonight. And sitting next to Brian, uh, starting to make a home back there, Dave. I don't know. I like you out here, but you're starting to get used to being back there. Uh, manning the IMs tonight, our very own Dave Brodzik, a.k.a. Fathead, a.k.a. Worf. How you doing? Tonight, a.k.a. Dave? Superhero. Right. Hello, everybody. A.k.a. Superhero. We, <laughs> yeah. Dave, we were talking earlier, the injuries, healing, good. 
Everything's healing. Well, yeah, it's funny, Pete says I have my new super superhero shirt on, man. You do. I'm gonna be Captain yeah. Captain Polish. Wow! <laughs> Show that off, man. Let me see that. Stand up. Whoa! Wow! Look at that. There it Whoa! Is. Polska. Polska. Wow. With the Mexican fight checking on the cool. Yeah. Good to see you tonight, Dave. <laughs> uh, man, we we have a special show, and let me remind you before we get into this that you are a big part of the show, and there's lots of ways to get in touch with us, Pete. A lot of ways. Is that true? Absolutely. The first one is <laughs> the IM right there next to your screen. Hit us up on our IM message. Uh, the other one is this thing right here. Uh, you can hit us up on our social media accounts at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ike Live Show. And then, of course, later in the show, after we're four or five beers in, we're going to be opening up the phone lines. Perfect. Taking some crank callers. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, man, we, we've got a huge show. And let me tell you, um, I just give you the heads up now, we've got some very special games tonight, contests that we're going to be running. Uh, and, and later in the show, uh, we're going to take your joke submissions for a little trivia piece. And uh, Pete... And Dave and Jake are all included in this. And this is a trivia game called Stump the Pollock. And we're going to be taking your taking your questions for that. No, no we're we're going to take uh, jokes. Take jokes. Okay. But, and we're gonna and, and we're gonna judge the jokes. Judge the jokes. And um, it was basically if, if if none of the Pollocks here have heard the joke before, that's kind of stumped the Pollocks. Right? Wow. Okay. So, and so there's we're a prize. Away, we're gonna give away some prizes. Yeah. Okay. Man. So the winner. Of the uh, joke submission for Stump the Pollock is going to get a three-month subscription to Mystery Tackle Box. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall proving this contest. I don't either, and I'm a little disappointed. Where's Brian? Where's uh, Stump the Dago for me? Well, we got three in here tonight. Okay. When you get your Italian contingency in here, we'll do that. Whatever. Yeah, when there's three Italians in the room, it's usually in a federal prison block. So we got to. How about Mike? So a little bit more specifics about the game. So guys, send in your Polish jokes, and we're we'll, we're not going to do them as they come in. Yeah, we'll don't we'll, we'll hit that. we'll hit off like a half a dozen. Just think of some in about another half hour. Start start shooting them in. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And they can send them in through. I am or through social. Just do it through I am because we're not. They're going to get missed on anything other than I am. Through I am. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Uh, man, it's going to be a great show. So please keep in touch with us, Pete. Let's jump right into it. Dude, we, we we've had. I don't know if you knew this, Jacob. You were one of our first guests ever on the show, and it was right after you won Toledo Bend. Yeah. Man, I that, it. that was awesome. That yeah. was for for us. It's interesting because. The show was so new back then, and we had no clue to what we were doing, you know. But uh, we had you on. That tell me, take me back to that time, because winning an elite was a big one. And I and I remember we we talked right after you won. But that was a big moment for you. Did that? Have you come down from that elite win yet? Because I got to tell you. I won the Delaware in 2014, and I'm still riding that high a year and a half later. <laughs> you know that was, it was. Uh... I would say, I remember, I can remember telling you this conversation back then. It was kind of like that, you know, the monkey was off my back, you know. Yeah. So it was, it was one of those things where it, it wasn't like it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It was just like a relief, you know, that, you know, you work so hard and you, we do all this stuff and travel all over the world. And, and when we go out there, we're not fishing for second place. I mean, right. in my opinion, you're, you're the first loser if you finish second. Yeah. So, you know, winning that was a good deal. Yes, and I mean, I still think about it every day. You know, I mean, but that tournament was 
I mean, I figured I could have done pretty good, you know. I just didn't, you know. And, like, I, my first spot, I caught two sevens and a five on my first three casts of the tournament. So, once, you know, it's kind of like getting yeah. the ball rolling. And, it's, you know, it was it was all that from then on. But, you know, yes, I'm still on cloud nine. But it, it would be nice to have another one. You know, you just, I mean, we go out there trying to win every tournament. I mean, we're, yeah. we're friends and buddies and everything like that. But we're still competing against each other. And yeah. So, you know, uh, that's what we do. I, I want to just go, before we change the subject, I want to go back to the story that you told on the show. And I vividly remember it because it was one of those deals all the time we talk about, like, um, you, you know, it, I don't want to say it's meant to be, but like a key thing happening at the right time. Tell the story about that big one you caught on the last day again, because that was the game changer for you, right? Yeah. You caught, I remember you telling it, it was like, a giant, but it came on the last day. Tell that story again, because that was interesting. It, you know, we basically what what happened in that tournament was the water was really high um, when we got there, and then it started kind of it was normal. Then we had some rain and stuff when we got there, but the lake had come up, so uh, the the shad bite deal, what was going on that when we were just catching them on a jerk bait and all that stuff. Yeah. When it started the tournament, it was great, but it kind of deteriorated, so. A lot of the fish that hadn't spawned had went to the thing. So basically what I was doing every day was just running around, you know, I mean, burning my shoulder motors up. And say, so I'm going down to, I'm going down this pocket the, uh, the last day. And I'm like, you know, I mean, darn, if I catch 20 pounds or somewhere close, I might have a chance. And yeah, we're going down and, uh, I looked over across the cove and I could see this big light spot out in the middle like a point and i said man look at that big log laying in that thing i said it'd be nice if it was a bass laying by that log so i kind of turned and started over to it well about the time i got to it the log moved i said oh, oh my no God. You know, so, i said so here we go so i worked on her for like an hour and you know it was just one of those deals i was like man i gotta catch this one gotta catch it and finally you know she bit there at the end and and um I'd found a five pounder earlier in that day that was that was hubbed up with I mean with a little bitty buck and a lot of times during a spawn as you know this when a female actually lays her eggs she'll run the buck off for a while she'll protect the actual bed and, right and you know it was just meant to be I, I I idled back through these trees and over top of stumps and back to that fish you saw back earlier. to the fish I saw earlier yeah. got back there and I mean I can remember asking the cameraman you know what time is it you know and he said it's 2:13 I said pardon me you know or something because i had like five minutes to fish you know yeah, before i had man. to run in and uh i remember flipping over there to her and i can remember laying like that and she come by and just she ate it so i mean it was like my last it was actually my last flip of the tournament i caught that five pounder and you know won the turn but you know like i said i mean you said it before i mean when things happen you know you can kind of tell it's meant to be but it's almost yeah it's almost me, like you can't stop it you know but me running in that day i was i was pissed I mean, because I figured, like, I well, Dean, I know he's going to catch 17. I figured I had to have 20 pounds. Right. But I, in my mind, I'm thinking I only got 17, so Dean's going to beat me by two pounds. Is right. kind of what I was thinking the whole yeah. time. And it just, you know, it worked out, but. It's interesting how That's, that. It's interesting how that works. Well, it was a sight fishing deal, and and you you've got a reputation for being a good sight fisher. Matter of fact, uh, I sat in on your uh, sight fishing seminar for Bass University, and uh, Jake was with us this year for the first time Bass yeah. University, and did some great work for us there. But uh, I mean, I I grew up fishing the Chesapeake and the Delaware, 
and it's stained water. I can't see the fish. I'm a horrible sight fisherman. It's like my biggest weakness. You 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 fish the same water. How did you get to be such yeah, a good sight it, well, fisherman? It's funny you say that because we talked about it off camera a second <laughs> yeah. ago. That it's uh, interesting. Listen to this. This is great. Well, I almost didn't graduate high school because of this pond that we had. <laughs> and, uh, that's how that's how I uh, that's how I, I started. Did we have a my mom and my dad my dad got in this it's a goose hunting club and uh, when when we got in it when he got in it back in like seventy seven I think is when it was they actually dug a big gravel pit pond in there and I can remember standing up in my dad's truck and we're driving down the road and a hundred foot crane. Is in this pond, you can't see the top of it. So it's like a hundred foot deep wow. down there. So it turned into clear. We're over there. What we used to water skiing it. I mean, it's gin clear. So we'd go water skiing when we had some rods in there or something. My dad was like throwing a worm out there or something one day and caught like a four pounder. Well, huh, you know that was into skiing for me. So when it got time to like learning how to spawn and stuff, I mean, you can see them seven, eight, nine foot deep in this pond. And, I mean, it's just gin clear, bowl, it goes around. So that's how I learned how to sight fish was in that pond. And, I mean, I tried everything, you know. Uh, I mean, if one wouldn't bite, I'd go through everything trying to, you know, figure out how to make it bite or how to do this and how to do that. So that's how that's how I did it. And and plus it's like, you know, we're all, we're all talented anglers. I mean, we can catch them from a, six inches of water to 60 foot deep, you know, from drop shot and stuff like that. But, you know, he probably has his – special way that he loves catching them you know and and to me that's the that's my funnest way to catch them yeah, yeah that, that's an awesome story and it explains a lot what you talked about a lot in the class which i thought was amazing is how to pick one you know because that that's the hardest part is deciding on which one to fish is for and which one's not to fish for and uh you went at length like you did you said something that kind of got me was like you you fish for the paired up fish you'll actually blow by the singles a lot of times and look for those paired up fish well only in certain circumstances if like if i pull up to some and they're actually rolling around you know doing a deal i'm gone but if they're sitting there and they're not doing nothing you know they done laid their eggs and both of them are kind of um protecting the bed yeah you can catch both of them pretty easily but you know there's just so much and and like i said in, in the actual class you have to it's it's experience it's not like i mean we can sit here and talk about it for 100 days and i can tell you everything i know but until you as an angler or or gets out there and experiment or experiences what i've experienced with mike's yeah. experience what you've experienced you know as a as an angler you're uh you, you know you're just kind of i'm not saying wasting your time but you know you need to the more time on the water the better off you'll be yeah, that's yeah. definitely. I need some with sight fishing. I I do too. Not, nothing beats time on the water. That's for sure. I, let, let me. Uh, I want to flash forward now. Uh, same year, and and that year was incredible for you. I mean, for a, a lot of the bass fans, you know, you've been fishing forever, and guys that followed the sport as a whole, they knew you. But that was your first year with bass, and guys were shaking their head like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Because <laughs> you had a phenomenal season. I mean, that year, that that year for you. It was amazing, uh, but I want to flash forward to the last event of that year, which was on Big Bay the Knock. It was an AOY championship event, um, kind of a new thing for bass, and you know, really that tournament they were trying to build suspense behind the AOY champion. They were trying to build drama behind classic qualifiers, and you went in there, and I fished that event. You went in there and dominated and won. And I got to tell you something. Two two thoughts on that. 
One is I was super impressed on how you caught him and how you won. But the second thing is I was super pissed off at Bass for, dude, you won this event. And I, I, I watched it. And I'm like, dude, they're not giving Jacob any, like, I felt like you got chafed. Right. Do you yeah. want to talk about that at all? Because yeah, I, I mean, felt it. Was it. Kind of, I mean, they they should have just, I mean, it, you know, they, they, they had it said it was at a tournament, you know, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even give me a Happy Meal or anything for that. Right. Thing, you know, I mean, it was kind of a it's kind of a bad deal. I mean, I thought they at least had a trophy yeah, for that. Yeah, and you beat actual, the best guys. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it was, I mean, to every one of us, I mean, it was who's going out there and, you know, who's going to win this tournament is yeah. what it was. I mean, I know we were still for the Classic and for the AOI, but it was still a bass tournament, you know. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. They had good intentions, so. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Uh Dave, um, Dave Smith, he actually, you know, he's a, he's the one that designs all our trophies for, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Dave Smith actually gave me a trophy, sent it to me in the mail. No kidding. For, wow. uh, for winning that event. So it, That's um, awesome. it had champion it, you know, the AOI championship up yep. there at Beta Knock and all, but yeah, man, that, that was a fun event. I'd like to go back up there. Yeah. That was a cool tournament. And I, and I've, uh, I actually talked to a few of the guys at Bass after that, you know, and I'm like, dude, you got to change something. Like, they've got all these sponsors. Right. Like, have a boat or have a some big purse sure. or some substantial prize for the guy that wins that event. Because it's a is tournament's it, a tough ter- – It's a, you know, any tournament you fish with that caliber angler is a tough thing to win. When you win it, there should be some reward. Yeah. You know? Is there there's still nothing for that? I don't think so. Chris Saldane won last year's. I, I, I think, think it was the same thing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, hey. it's 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 tough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's a big event, right? Agreed. Yeah. When I won the rookie of the year, I still don't have my trophy. No trophy. No trophy. Get Jerry McKinnis on the phone, <laughs> Brian <laughs> Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tell you, that was a smallmouth tournament, right? Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, we I uh, a buddy of mine, Jeremy Starks. He uh, he's been up there a bunch of times, and he was telling me, he says, "Man, dude, you y'all are going to crush them." He says, "Anywhere you go, you're just going to crush them." And I, I think I practiced, like, the first day I caught, like, two. I was like, whoa, something ain't right here. You know, I'm not, I, you know, this is so many smallmouth in there. I'm not putting the puzzle together. Well, the second day, it was flat, slick, calm. And uh, I said, well, if if I got if I'm going to beat my brains in, I'm going to use my time wisely. I, so I stayed in Little Bay to knock. And uh, I was going down this. It's a huge flat that runs out there, and it gets to a brake line, and it drops straight off like a channel edge. Well, down the edge of that channel where it was three foot deep was a strip of millful. And from that millful to where that sand started, I mean, it was like stealing. I mean, they were, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there they are. I mean, you just be, you could just, you'd troll a motor for 100 yards, you wouldn't see none. Then you'd run into 15. And I mean, every one of them would be big black ones, you know, oh, so they're swimming around. And, and you kind of spook them, and they, and they wouldn't go out off the channel. They'd run up there where it was this deep. And it's gin clear, you know, so you'd pick up a little shaky head or, you know, any, I'm anything, it didn't matter, and throw it to them. But the the first hour of that deal, what they were doing to that little swim bait was, I mean, it should have been illegal, you know. It was, <laughs> it was fun, but I'd found, uh, I found a little, a little deal that I never went to the first day we actually fished. And, and, but I could, I could see it from where I was fishing and nobody was fishing it. Well, the second day I caught like 18 pounds, I mean, in no time. I said, man, I'm going to get in there because there was some big ones there. Well, Brian Snowden was sitting on it. And I'm like, how did he find that? 
And uh, so he's like, come on, come on. I got like 22 pounds. I'm like, all right. I said, how'd you find it? He said, I was riding by and I looked over and they were blowing up everywhere. I mean, it was. So <laughs> wow. we, I sat there for three hours and caught them, you know, every other cast on a drop shot in a tube, kind of like the old smallmouth ways. And yeah. It, it was funny. You know, even though I'm in a tournament, I started off with six pound tests on a drop shot. By the time I left, I was throwing a tube on 20 on a flipping stick. I mean, it didn't matter. Didn't I mean, matter. Yeah, right. you could just. But, you know, that's. With, I guess we kind of overthink it a lot of times and stuff like that, but it was. With that much competition, that's what I find. When you get so many smallmouth fighting together, you can get away with, you know, the heavy stuff. Man, it was it was fun. I said, well, I got to try it. And I, mm. I tied it up. It never hit the bottom. Yeah. My first cast said, yeah, I like this a whole lot better. What <laughs> I'll tell you, that's the other thing I noticed about you following your career is that surprised me again. You know, your sight fishing was one. Your smallmouth fishing is number two. I mean, you do extremely well in smallmouth tournaments. You know, that was um, when I got into to to actually say I was going to be a professional bass fisherman. You know, I mean, I could catch them shallow around the house and stuff like that. I mean, I loved it, but I never really had a lot of confidence about fishing out deep, out off the bank, and smallmouth. So before I got into like really doing it, I signed up for a bunch of ever starts up at Buffalo. I'm on Erie, the all the small my stuff's here. Smart. And and I taught myself, you know, hey, you got to learn how to drop shot in 45 foot of water or 40 yeah. foot of water, catch and spin them. So I just kept going up there. And plus, it's so much fun when you get out there doing that. Oh, that's you, amazing. You know yeah. how it is. So I, I just kind of fell in love with it and uh, and rolled with it, you know. But it, here's my tip for smallmouth fishing: if you're not catching them, you're not around them. It's they're not no finicky deal where okay there they are on my depth finder i'm not catching them that's baloney they're not smallmouth <laughs> in, in my opinion you know so right if you're if you're not catching smallmouth you're not around them right now i, I on the same line i want to get to something else and i had it written here in my notes um and i've seen it time and time again and i want to want to grill you on this is in a day and age where you know like waypoints and information are ruling now right you know and that's just that's just the reality of today's fishing. Um, you're not one of those guys, and and I've seen the term all the time. The term you're a natural, and you have something that you can just figure the fish out, and you can do it quickly. Do you want to talk about that? How the hell do you do that? Because, dude, in today's age, so many of these young guys are doing it different. You know, they're 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 getting the waypoints. They're soliciting info. But but you're a, you do it naturally. Talk about that a little bit. You know it's uh, and and this is just my opinion where this goes. All right, so I in my I think a bass is a bass whether he's from Florida to Canada to California to Japan. You have to kind of relate to their environment. What is the most uh, environment that they have on a lake or river or whatever you know if it's hydrilla they're going to live in hydrilla right if it's docks they're going to be on docks if it's brush you know they're going to be on brush piles you know like at conroe when we used to go there 90 99 percent of the fish that was caught at the time of year there was out of brush piles yeah you know or or whatever line the banks was docks so yep. that was the only two things you had so I do do a little bit of research, and I do get some help. I mean, I wouldn't say waypoints exactly yeah. because everything changes so much. But I'll, I'll talk to some guys that fish there just for general 
information. I don't want somebody to tell me that, hey, you got to come fish this corner right here. This is where they all live. Right. Baloney, because you might pull up 10 feet or 20 feet down the bank from me and find the glory hole because I pulled up on that waypoint. Right. I want to find it on my own, but I'll get some general information. And in the first day of practice, I start off shallow. I go from shallow, you know, out to wherever I get my first bite. And, you know, a good buddy of mine, Dave Dudley, taught me a long time ago. He says, this might sound dumb, he said, but the first bite you get, you can write the whole book about it. Wow. You know, and that's yeah. just what goes through my mind yeah. the whole time. And, you know, you can, I, I, we just did an article, um, me and a buddy of mine, Joel Shangle, that was watching it. He's probably watching this right now, but like. Shout out to Joel Shangle, by yeah. the way. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, say say you're fishing in, in, in March or something and it's cold and it's, you know, the transition is, they're not, most of the time if it gets warmer, they're not going back out deep they're going down the bank you know so right, they're moving you up. can find that little channel bank you, it's all you can it all paints a picture yeah to they where they're spawning you know so yeah if you can find out between there and that's i just keep moving until i you know f- patterns i mean it's so yep. many times we go you can find that little pattern yeah that's going on and and once you go from right here to this is same and you get a bite to that same bike <laughs> It's all over with, yeah. you know. So. Now, now we get that question all the time at Bash Universe. I, I mean, every one I've ever done ever in six years, it's the same question, and I want to ask it to you. They say in practice, how long do you, you know, how long do you fish until you have to make a change? That's a great question because you know you're in practice and you're still searching. It's the first day you just dropped your trolling motor. Do you, what's that time difference? Like, do you give shallow an hour? Do you give it two hours, or do you just try to just go with your mindset and it varies? It, it's um, it's one of those things that uh, it just depends on kind of where we're at. But for the most part, if I fish shallow for two hours and I haven't gotten a bite, then they're not up there. You know, right. that's my that's my opinion. Yeah. I'm going to do something. I, I'm a I'm I've learned over the years that I'm not that guy that says, "Man, I'm going to tie this big jig on." And I'm going for five bites. Right. I want to catch 50. Right. Because in my my mind, my opinion, I think if I catch 50, the more times I, what it's Hackney says, swing the hammer or you know <laughs> whatever whatever he says, the the more times I do that, the better off I have of catching five five numbers game. Yeah. So that's that's my opinion all the time. So if I'm getting two bites up here and 20 bites out there then i'm you know i'm gonna fish out there because the majority of them are still out there it's just but uh i'm not a i used to be that kind of guy yeah but now like i mean even during tournaments if i fish for somewhere for an hour i think something's going on and i'm not catching anything i'm going to do something different and i I just think that that has uh helped me a lot throughout the years gotcha now i i want to switch it up here and you mentioned uh had this in my notes you mentioned david dudley uh, but there's a slew of other ones, and I'm going to throw it to you, Ricky, oh, because I want to get your opinion of this. Dude, there are a – there's a cluster of fucking sticks that live in that area that you guys live in. And it's funny because if you look at it nationally, you see it all over, right? Look at, like, Thrift, uh, uh, Andy Montgomery, uh, Andy Morgan. Like, you see these clusters of anglers right. that live in the same vicinity. What is it about where you live? But I don't want you to answer. What is it about that part of Virginia 
why Dave, there's so many Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah, all w- the way to Charlotte. Dudley, Woo Daves. I mean, dude, dude, there is a cluster of sticks there in that part of the country. I, I think a lot of it is the the fisheries make the anglers have to be so versatile. You know, they they're all very good at tidal war fishing because yeah. they deal with it every day. Yeah. Then you got you know you got Bugs Island, you got Lake Gaston, which are you know impoundments that they have to be able to fish docks. Yeah. They have to be able to fish deep. Um. It's just such a different array of of fisheries. Like you know, Pete was saying that that the spawn never was real good for him because where he grew up, there wasn't a lot of spawning fish. Right. You go to Gaston in the spring, April, it's game on. Right. So you can become a very good sight fisherman at Lake Gaston, and then you can roll up to the James River, and you've got the nasty, dirty tidal water yeah. conditions that seem to confuse everybody yeah mm-hmm. um but that whole you're right virginia and it's like North a little Carolina it's like little clusters but you could see that is, all over the country yep. you know like even california there's little clusters of like hotbeds you know even new jersey with it being this small you know adrian avena is right. right down the road pete you're really from here you're mm-hmm. from south jersey right. so on a smaller scale even in new jersey that happens but it's, it's interesting to me do you think it's do you think it's the fact that somebody blazes the path and influences those people Could that be. it can be done you know got like woo daves like, did yeah was, down was there. woo daves that you for know? you did you uh, i mean i know your father for sure was big and why you got into sport but was there a pro figure as well well i used to go practice with woo for the classic he would get me out of school like the last three days for i you know when i was in ninth grade um i think when i was in eighth grade i left with him three days before school was out and we drove to Logan Martin and practiced for three weeks for the Bassmaster Classic. Wow. Down there. So, you know, yes, Wu was definitely uh, uh, one of that figure. And and he's the one that kind of, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I, I wanted to do that, but I, I'm i not a, I, I guess you would say, I, how would you say that? I guess I'm not a bragger or nothing like yeah. that. You know, I mean, yeah, I knew I could go catch some bass and do stuff like that, but Wu was the one that kept saying, "Dude, you got something. You need yeah. to expand on this. Right. You need he, to try." He mentored it. you to, yeah. to, to to try it. And um, and he and t- to this day, I mean, I talk to him all the time, and we 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 get to go rabbit hunting and and all that stuff together. And and uh, me and Chris, his son, are real good buddies, and yeah. you know, hunt and go out and have beers and play poker and all that stuff all the time. So, you know, it just being around somebody like that—that's what you know means the world. And and. You know, for kids and stuff today, I got to tell a story about you that I didn't know you that well, but you won the tournament at Bugs Island, Never Start. Yes. And, dude, I gained so much respect for you as an angler. This was an Never Start now at Bugs Island in the middle of the sticks. And he was the last one to leave the first day. He had a line of kids that were up there signing autographs. And I was like the last flight to weigh in, and I was up sitting up here watching him. I said, "No, that's a true bass angler right there." I wow. mean, that that's was awesome. Thank you. Not, remember that. That's Thank awesome you. story. It's not the first time we've heard that I about you, that. by the I way. I appreciate it. Yep. I, let me real quick, um, because this show always goes the other direction. <laughs> Why we're talking about Wu, and I love Wu. <laughs> Wu was actually one of, is one of my going. heroes as well from when <laughs> I was a kid. And I'm just going to put you on the spot because this is like live. It's a rated R show. We can talk about anything we want. 
Is it true Wu Davis has the biggest penis in the bass fishing industry? I don't know nothing about that. God! There's no verification of this, Pete. We've tried. Where did this rumor get started? Dude, we have this list. We have this list, and Wu is always at the top. I think Byron Velvick is always, like, number two. I think Aaron is number three or number four. Uh, who else is in there? I know Brian, our very own Brian DeCarpenter comes in at number five on that list. But Wu's always number one. I need verification on this. I now have the, no, I'm probably, I mean, he'll probably send you a picture. For wow! <laughs> Brian, will we, can we put this up on the screen if Wu sends us a picture? Mike, you're, you're, you're. Your voice volume went through the roof all when you heard whatever. about Wu's penis. <laughs> all right, all right, I remembered Wu at the uh, at the ramp, not to get off the rated R stuff, but I was talking to him, and um, I, I'm just I leaned on his boat and he's working on his tackle. I asked him how he was doing that day, and I go to step away and I was stuck to the boat because of the <laughs> chewing the back of chewing, chewing the back of just from one end to the oh, other man. Oh uh, my goodness! I guess yes. I guess I guess all you guys do it down there. Hey, Mike, <laughs> Mike, if we, if we, if we do what you ask, Mike, about Wu, yeah. instead of having a Hobie on the top of your truck, you'll have all your laundry bags because you'll be out of this whole place, man. Every sponsor will run from you. They'll run from you like a plague, dude. <laughs> that might be true. Or I might gain some spots. You have your laundry and like a, a, a mattress on top of the thing. Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let me remind you that we want to hear from you tonight. If you've got a question, you've got a comment for Jacob or Ricky or anything you're hearing tonight, uh, please let us know. You can hit us up on the IM right there next to your screen. You can also use this thing and hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Ike Live Show. Uh, Dave, do you want to get into some, or you want me to keep rolling through? What do you What do you got coming through on the IM? You got anything Anything hot and interesting, uh, Brian? Yeah, let's let's stay away from the jokes for right now. Um, okay. Because uh, we can dial up uh, Kevin Short in a minute if you'd like. Cool. I'd like to do that. Yeah. And uh, and then maybe get into that shenanigans a little bit later. Okay. Well, let's let's a- do this. Any then. serious questions? If- yeah, Dave, yeah. you got you got a couple things you want to run past us? Or you no, to- we're having we're having a little bit of IM difficulty right now that we're working through. Gotcha. I I have an apology. You do. I, I think uh, I, I and I apologize to Jake. I think I put the whammy on you on the Chesapeake. Uh, we was uh, we were um, after day one. Uh, you were looking strong down on the Chesapeake, and we were assigned to to follow uh, uh, Prosnick the whole day. And uh, and well, you didn't you didn't catch any fish that day. And it, it, it was, I felt like it was you our to fault. Remind me of that, really? really? <laughs> well, you put, you must have put the whammy on me too, because I didn't catch it the first know. day. I, I had the jinx going, but I, I tell you, you know, um, that was that was amazing watching you that day, because and this is one thing I tell about the guys that get to be marshals, right? You get to see a guy when he's struggling. What he what does he do? You know, what is he doing to manage that situation? Does, you know, that, cause that's the magic. You know, you find a guy that's on him and just unloading on him. You know, it's not that, right. I don't think you learn as much on that day yeah. as you do on the day when the guy's struggling. And I watched, I, I watched Jacob, you know, act like a veteran. I mean, he didn't get spun out that bad. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, you were calm, cool, and collected all day long. Hours were going by pressure was on you were taking your time you know you're moving seamlessly from one thing to the next making adjustments like you knew that the tide was going to come in your favor it was going to happen uh i was really impressed with your ability to to have that maturity you know when times got i, I tough. remember from that 
me and you were texting back and forth, remember, and you were like, you didn't have anything. I'm like, come on, Pete, you're lying. Don't tell me the truth. <laughs> yeah. All day long. It went on all day long. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was, uh, I mean, that was just a weird deal, man. I just got, I got about an hour ahead of myself in that tie deal. And you know how crucial that. So key. Yeah. So key. And, and yeah. when I did it, I knew, and something told me I was about halfway through my little deal. And I was like, start over. Start over now. It was like that little voice would say, no, keep going. You're going to run into him. Keep going. And then the other voice was saying, start over. And I was like, which way did I go? And what? I just made the wrong decision. You know, I should have mm-hmm. I should have started right back where I started from the first time, and I would have done fine. Yeah. Because I, I did it the last day. I mean, I had almost the big. I, I did have the biggest bag of the last, the, the right. third day of that actual deal again. Yeah. And, and that, that was amazing. That was amazing. When you have a bad day like that, that was always my measuring stick on the true ability of an angler when he, when he struggles and then comes back and jumps back in the tournament. Yeah. Man, that's, that's a huge measuring there stick. Was a, you did that. There was a piling out there. I'd caught, I think I caught three big ones. When you got a bite on it, it was. And I remember flipping over there by that pile and things. I mean, it was just a tink. I said, yeah, look at this little, you know, to myself, peckerhead. Yeah. And I wound into him when I did. I mean, it wasn't this deep. And a like, five-pounder, I mean, it just shoo, and it jumped. I mean, I thought it was a, you know, 10-pounder at that point. You yeah. know, it's like on the <laughs> yeah. Delaware. I'm like, holy moly. And uh, they got it in. I got it in. I had, a, I mean, a barely piece of her skin hanging right there. Oh, by my Just God. one little, you know, one mm. little piece. Yeah. So I got it in, and I was like, what will be the odds of another one? I flipped to the other side. My line took off. I lost a five-pounder that third day oh off the God. same piling. Wow. It was, but it was, you know, it could have been one of those, you know, exceptional. I mean, it still was. But, yeah. man, it was that first, that second day, I was like, I'm idling in. I'm like, I said, you know, checked in. I just kept on going, and people are like waving. Like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm like, I'm doing like this, zero. <laughs> I did that the first Lose day. Uh, Dave, what do you got back there? Got two questions for Jake, and a question to the panel out there. First question from Mar- uh, Matt F. Jake, he wants to know what happened to the Power Hog. <laughs> That's a Berkeley deal. Um, Berkeley, uh, they didn't want to get off some moolah, so I had to switch companies. All right. Second question for Jake. Uh, let the jokes, I guess, fly because it does not enough space to put the last words in there. But uh, he wants uh, this guy wants to know what, how your experience was on the Delaware River. <laughs> My experience on the Delaware River? Yes. <laughs> it um it was actually really. I mean, I, I like the Delaware River. Um, it uh I just wish I would have uh, kind of did a little bit more of what i thought was going on instead of what i you know what i actually did um it, it took me a little couple of days to really get that thing kind of to what i thought was uh going on but i mean I, I think it's a fantastic river and i'd like to go back i just wish that bass would kind of schedule around some great tides i think you would see a whole lot more better fishing in it instead of a mu- lot of much yeah uh, they were a week off more yeah. going on you know in that deal I mean, I could have told you four months before we got there from looking at the tides that you got an hour in the morning window and an hour in the afternoon window. Yep. And, you know, with that with that deal going on like that, and I mean, Pete, you live on the Delaware River and fish it all the time. I mean, how many fish live in that deal? I mean, there's a ton of bass that live in that Delaware River. There's plenty of fish there. We just got there at a, at a bad, at yeah. a really bad time. Yeah, you saw, you saw a bad tide, that's for sure. 
You, but, you're, we're, where we're talking about, that was the Ike Memorial Tournament. Or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but I mean, I, I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it, I yeah. felt, I felt, I mean, the seven foot tie deal, or uh, is it seven feet or it, is it five it, foot? It's, it's six, seven feet. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's the same as the James River kind of deal, but you just got to kind of move on out a little bit farther than instead of right. 10 feet off the bank, you got to go two miles to get to some water. I mean, it's, is the kind of deal, but I—I I mean, if I saw it on the schedule again, I wouldn't be—I uh, wouldn't be—I ha- mean, unhappy about it. I mean, yeah. I thought it was a pretty cool place, but we—we we have two more. Two more. Keep going, Dave. Yeah. What do you got? Mark wants to know what do you guys think about the designated release locations being talked about for the Chesapeake? Does does that, does that make sense to anyone? Say that again. Mm-hmm. Mark wants to know what what do you guys how do you guys feel about the designated release locations being discussed on the Chesapeake? Do you know anything about that? No, it's first I they, first I'm hearing it. I think that from what he's what he's saying, I know I think I know what he's saying. Like as far as discussing like where they're going to dump them, it's because they did not dump all those fish there at in Northeast River. They dumped them at that other state park. What is the other river that goes up? Elk, Susquehanna. The Elk. The Elk. They dumped them at that ramp at the Elk. And I think what happened was, I think some of that leaked out, and anglers were hearing that. So, you know, they were kind of running around. I think that's what he's going with that, but I'm not sure. Huh. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I think I think they ought to be drove out in the middle of the channel somewhere and, you know, turn loose and let them go which way they want to go. Yeah, well, call, call her. If you can specify, send more information yeah. in on that question. Because yeah. I don't know if it's just for bass tournaments or for tournaments in general. Down on the Chesapeake, have they changed some rules that we don't know about? Uh, I've not heard about it. And one more. We have one more for uh, for Jake and Mike. How do you stay mentally focused on tournament day and not have an, and not have any not have an ad? Right. ADD. Yeah, and have ADD and have your mind wonder. What do you guys do to stay focused on your task? Mm. That, that's a good question. Uh, you, you, you know, uh, man, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, what I try to do during the tournament. This is going to sound weird. This is on some like Rick Clun tripping on acid shit right here. <laughs> uh, this is going to sound weird, but what I do in the tournament to help me focus. Don't think I'm strange, Pete. Is I try to imagine. I'm the bait. Like, I, I try to visualize that bait and, like, everything it's doing the whole way back to the boat. Whether it's a shaky head or a jig or a crankbait. Like, I'm trying to visualize and feel. You know what I mean? Like, picture what that bait's doing. Dude, that's a great method for me to put blinders on in the tournament. You know what I mean? Because, dude, there's a lot of distractions. Right. you got boats following you. You know, you got you know stuff going all around you. You got dogs barking. Whatever the scenario is, uh, a lot of times <laughs> when you imagine that you're the bait, you know, you're you're really focusing. You're it's an mm-hmm. exercise to force you to focus. That's one thing that I do. That's one thing that I do. So well, that's that, that's a great. What do you do, Jake? You know, it's man, that's kind of a um, kind of one of those things. Like he said, man, that's a tough one, but. You know, we get so much time to think about other stuff. I think in that eight hours, uh, that eight-hour deal right there, that um, that I, I mean, because I, I can get sidetracked just like he can, but I always think back like, hey, you know, I know this is fun, this is doing whatever, but you have to, uh, you got to get back to concentrating. And I mean, you, we can be off that far and miss the winning bite. Miss it, you know, mm-hmm. and then yeah. and that's the that's the whole deal. So we have to concentrate and make everything 
everything count. Yeah. So here's a, a question that I have that kind of plays off of that. How much do the three of y'all rely on your instincts? Like you're you're fishing down a bank and yeah, you know that hey that tree over there looks good. And that feeling that you get pulls you over there and you yeah. catch a five pounder. Well, that that's the magic. Right. Exactly what you just said is the, the ma- moment. That's Fish. the magic. Right. That's the magic. And I tell you, this is. I'm glad you brought that question up because this is like this is like therapy for me because <laughs> I want to get better at it because I, I I'm not that good at it. When I do that, you know, like the best that when I'm ever fishing a moment is when I'm fun fishing. Dude, when I'm fun fishing, and I'm not bragging either, but when I'm fun fishing, dude, I catch the shit out of them every time. <laughs> there's no points. There's no money on the line. You know what I mean? Like, you're fishing. Dude, you're just fishing. You're having fun. You're fishing what's in front of you. My big problem, and, and, and I you know, I want to hear Jake's answer this, is I, I need to learn this better. My big problem is I have a great practice, day one of the practice, period. Um, day two, I expand on it. And I get so dialed in. Like, I go into that first day tournament. I'm like, dude, I got them. They're in 10 to 12 foot of water. They're on the outside edge of that grass. You know, it's ripping the crankbait out of the, you know, whatever. You get dialed. And then something changes the third day. And I'm so mind screwed because I keep thinking about what happened the first and second day of practice. It takes me half a day three quarters a day, sometimes the whole day before I realize, you dummy, they changed. When that's going on, are you fighting that voice, that internal I'm, voice saying... You I'm know, wanting to fish history, dude. I'm right. wanting to relive what happened on the first day of right. practice. I, that, For me, that's a that's a big weakness in me, is that I need to stop fishing history. But right. you don't you do not do that. You do, it, you do it well. So what do you do to fight that history? I mean, this is the way I think. This is, the, in my mind, what's going on... I, all right, I'm not catching anything. You know, they've done, they've moved, they've done something. And how many times you tournaments you're fishing like, when I mean, you're idling in, you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I, it was tough today. And there's four or five guys that just have crushed them, jacked them. And you're like, holy mackerel, they're biting, doing something. So that's going through my mind all day during that period. Like, you know, I get a little bit of spun out, and then the third day, you figure out something, like you said, but. I'm constantly changing until I figure out what's going on. I mean, right. somewhere I'm going to run into them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I mean, even if you have to change different ends of the lake, you know, uh, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, I mean, okay, say you're fishing up there on the north end, you're the only one up there, and you're absolutely jacking them. And I've done run by you two days in a row. I'm not that guy to just pull in, you know, and say, hey, you know, he, he's catching them. I don't want to do that. You found those. I don't, I want to find out what's going on myself and i think if if you have that mental attitude about doing that yeah don't be scared i I, I tell everybody in any kind of seminar or anything that i do it's all about making decisions if Mm. you're deer hunting turkey hunting saltwater fishing bass fishing whatever you do it's all about making the right decision and if you keep if you practice making decisions you'll you'll have it i mean practice makes perfect even catching a bass is easy Finding that little sucker is the hard part, you yeah. know. I mean, you know, it, finding out what it, he's going on. But yeah. what are your thoughts on that, Pete? Do you listen to that internal voice? We all know what it is. You, you, know. you got to you got to battle those demons, and right. only a Pollock would continue to do the same thing and expect a different <laughs> result. Exactly. You know, so. But look, look, Ike. I, thank you, thank you, Ike. I um, this you know the class is coming up. So I thank you for having me on the show. So I got you a little gift. Oh, gift. 
Yeah. So really? I got you a little gift to take to the classic. Wow. And, and Whoa! Reason, <laughs> sorry, Pete. <laughs> Look at this thing. Hey, and the reason for that wow. is. Wow. Hey, right. I see you like beat up your electronics and all that. Yeah. So, like, if you run into another fucking dog. Wow. Or, you know, your electronics or, you know, troller mode or something, you can have this in your boat. You can beat on that. <laughs> wow. Dave, turn that to the camera. Look at that. I'm, I'm actually going to put this on the back deck in the pedestal, in the back deck pedestal seat to have this. Look at this thing. Wow. And I love the targets, too. Yeah. So you're, you, you actually are hitting key spots. Oh yeah, victim. when you hit it, it lights up and says, you "Wow, know, and everything, dude, so. thank you, man." <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? Check, I mean, you know, check. these these mental, uh, these little breakdowns and stuff. So I, I figured this would be a big stress reliever for wow. you. Wow, Th- thank you, thank you. I gotta tell you, I appreciate gift. that, and my wife Becky will appreciate that for sure. There'll be a lot less stuff broke around the trailer and the camper with this thing around. Man, I, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, go ahead, Pete. What do you got? Oh, I was. I could continue talking about the decision making thing, and you you hit the nail on the head. Is that you got to be good at those at that stuff by by doing on water training and guiding, which I'm doing all the time now. I do like a hundred days a year. It, it's it's amazing how it's helped my fishing. It's like every day I'm out there now having to solve the pro, solve the puzzle every single day. And you practice making that decision. I mean, it's so much pressure to be able to get on the fish when you need to. Uh, so every day, every day you got to practice making that decision. Pre- previously, what I was doing is I was just fishing the tournaments, and the only time you'd really get involved in decision making is when you were in a tournament scenario, right? Which isn't enough yeah. practice. Yeah. So what I did was I and I adopted this, and I teach my own water training customers this. I adopted it from the NCAA basketball coach. I read a lot of their books and geniuses at practicing and uh, creating great practice scenarios which help them in high-pressure tournament situations is what you do is you create a scenario for yourself, right? You're just going fishing, but maybe you can prepare yourself, okay, well, this is the third day of a tournament. You know, and put yourself in that scenario to make those decisions and practice those decisions, even though you're not in the tournament. I've got an hour left. I've got uh, one hour left, and I need a bite. You know, yeah. boom, let me go uh, get it. Let me yourself, make those right. decisions. Yeah. So you can create That's those smart. scenarios That's and smart. practice your decision-making. Anybody can. Yeah. So don't wait for tournament day to do it. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, I want to jump back and something that you said, which was um, saltwater fishing and hunting. And I know you do both of those. Does that help you? Because I, I know, you know, we have a lot of guys on the show, and they have different hobbies or different uh, likes. And I think some of them, you can bring those back to what sure. you do, and it makes you a better angler or better whatever. Like our very own Dave Brodzik, he gardens. And I think that helps him because oh, he would never fish a spinning rod his whole life. And after he started gardening, he would fish a spinning rod. So I think that helped him. So his biggest decision was like uh, dandelions or tulips. Absolutely. Or or well, actually, I, ch- I chose crocus. My crocus are coming up now, actually. They're starting to sprout. <laughs> crocus. To, to get, yes. I mean, this is the way I look at it. All right. So say you have a piece of land. All right. The land is your lake, you know, and you're hunting. What are you hunting? Most people want to kill the biggest buck or the biggest whatever that's on that piece yeah. of land. So you have six tree stands that you're going to go hunt. 
Well, you have to make the right decision. You can't be in all six yeah. at the same time. So you have to make that decision to go to the right one. And, you know, the way – and then saltwater fishing. I mean, it's the same deal. I mean, you want to go out there and catch them. Well, if the wind's blowing hard out of the west, then, yeah, the fish are going to be up on the bank, you know, I mean, down at home where we fish at because it's a, you know, west deal. If the wind's blowing hard out of the east, then it blows all the bait. You know, bait feeds into the wind. Right. So if the wind's blowing hard out of the east, which is blowing to the beach, you know, the bait's going to go offshore. So that's where the fish are going to end up after yeah. day too. So you have to be able to research a little bit but still make those right decisions. Yeah. And I, I swear, I think that, you know, we got the best electronics. We got the best boats, motors, anything you want to do. But I still think decision, making those, just being being easy on yourself to make those decisions yeah you you've got to have that deep down inside right that's, like that's it, where it comes from. yeah like like you know we always talk to high school anglers the college anglers like oh shit these dudes got it made they're so lucky that they were born in an age with this technology but at some point right you got to have that mm. innate ability to learn to figure it out on your own and that sense of movement and stuff right that's hard to teach but but I've heard from so many people swindling here. Right. We had recently about hunting. We've had guys that are saltwater heads that talk about how that's helped them. I believe that does help. You know that helps you. That helps you make those decisions. You know, wildlife is wildlife. It it operates on a lot of the same schedules. You know, and yeah. that, and that, that's what we hear from the hunters. You know, is that it's it's very similar to you yeah. know uh, chasing bass and yeah. and it helps. And you know, man, it's so many of the talented anglers. You're excluded from that category but so many of them will list hunting as their right. number one pastime right, right. yeah you know, I, so i think there's definitely something to it helps you be oh, a better angler i mean absolutely yeah i have hunted by the way don't totally diss me <laughs> i've deer hunted with marty stone before i heard i heard okay uh hey i'm looking at my watch here it is 7 p.m and we're going to take a little bit of a break uh brian the carpenter if i'm not mistaken that's great and when we come back, we got a lot of stuff to do here, man. This ain't over. We've got um, questions that you asked via social media uh, for Jacob Prosnick. We're going to go through some of those. Uh, and we also have a very special surprise guest. I'll just say it, Mike. Joining us tonight, Kevin Short. All right. Joining us tonight, uh, Brian DeCarpenter via Skype. Via Skype. Uh, as soon as we get back, he'll be on. Okay. Come, when we come back, Kevin Short joined us via Skype uh, talking about his controversial article right. that he recently wrote, and we're going to all weigh in on that a little bit. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Hang in there with us a couple minutes when we come back more with Jacob Prosnick and Ricky Bobby from Bass East. Hang So he needs big things to happen and happen quickly. Another guy who's trying to put himself in a position to make something big happen quickly is this guy, Jacob Peroznik. Exactly. And we're going to take a look exactly what Peroznik's been talking about, where he says it's playing catch with spawn.